And good evening, everybody. And Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, all that good stuff. I'm Jeff. Welcome back to the Badass Midnight Movies. Welcome back for a short Halloween month. Halloween month, I'm sorry. I've got my brain thinking about next year already. Um, <laughs> holiday month. And we're finishing out with Scrooge. Now we had a couple delays with a couple films we were going to do. But I'll just say, like I've always said in podcasts in the past, life gets in the way. And um, I'm doing this one solo. So hopefully you enjoy it. If you hear some pauses in between, that means I had to go, you know, refill my drink, head to the bathroom. You know how it goes. But let's not waste any time. And we're going to do 1988's Scrooged. Starring one of my favorites and yours, Mr. Bill Murray. So I am queued up at 002. And you can find this film, I believe, in HBO Max. Last I saw, Redbox could be voodoo. I don't know. Google it. Actually, look up YouTube. YouTube movies is a great place to find and rent films. So, anyway, I'm going to do a little countdown, and you're going to hit play, and we shall discuss Scrooged together in three, two, one, press play. You know, that's an old, um, it's a Paramount picture, by the way. Gulf and Western production. They don't do that no more. Gulf and Western. If you ever watched The Offer, that was a big thing. Like Gulf and Western was part of Paramount, and they'd own the studios, and they go with Miles Teller, who's playing like this producer trying to get The Godfather made, and a lot of good scenes. If you haven't checked that out, check out The Offer. You know, funny thing about this film is um, gathering some information. Bill Murray had been away for a while. I guess he took a self-imposed hiatus from Hollywood. I think his last film was Little Shop of Horrors where he had a cameo. And by the way, there are some references to Little Shop of Horrors in this film too. So we're watching this. And he had been away for a while and he came back to star in this film. So... Kind of return to Hollywood for Bill. Now I'm watching this film. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? You got like skis, machine guns that are coming to the North Pole. This is like a film before Violent Night. Now, if you guys don't know who Lee Majors is, that was a big thing. You know, when me and Mike were growing up, was a $6 million man. Like, I think it was a weekly TV show on ABC. And back then, I thought he was the coolest thing in the world. They had, like, a little action figure. He was about a 12-inch. He opened up his chest. You could see the mechanical insides. But if people don't know who he is, look up Lee Majors. He was in Fall Guy as well. And uh, for recently, he was in Ash vs. the Evil Dead. He played Ash's father, which... Really good cameo you had in that. The night the reindeer died. 
trope on a um, Christmas albums like years ago. I'm not sure if they still do this or not. I don't have a cable television. Or I don't actually have regular TV. I don't have any antenna. But one of the bigger things during the holidays is everybody would release a Christmas album. Bon Jovi presents a Christmas album. Of course, Mariah Carey, but everybody and everybody would release Christmas albums. I'm surprised Disturbed never released a Christmas album. I love Bill Murray. Bill Murray's funny without being funny, and I think that's the key. There's Bobcat Goldweight. West Berlin. Now, if you don't know who the narrator was, that's John Houseman. John Houseman was in tons of films in the um, early 60s, 70s, and 80s. He was in Rollerball. If you guys have ever seen Rollerball, if you had never seen it, look it up. You'll thank me later. It's pretty insane. So weird seeing Bob without his long hair. Because I was first exposed to him in Police Academy, and then he went on to do some other things as well. But he always had that long hair. This one, he's kind of like clean-shaven, specs, kind of nerdy type. But he still has the same energy. I thought him and Bob, uh, Bill, excuse me, worked pretty well. Excuse me. What the hell is this?
I love that. It's like typical 80s trailer with a trailer guy. I don't think that's the trailer voices guy. But he's like, and now from a world you couldn't see coming, Scrooged. That's Alfie Woodard right there. Alfie, of course, if you check our archives, she was in Star Trek First Contact when we did Star Trek Month. So It's funny how these actors that we do, when we do these films, they always kind of like come back. <laughs> the Mansons. He's such a dick in this film. Bill's at range, man. Um, Lost in translation. I mean, comedy, of course, is where he got his, you know, his big start in Saturday Night Live, of course. I mean, I, I could sit here and ramble off 10 or 20 of his films. And each one of them, you know, like I, I would probably describe like comedy kind of got him in the door, as do most people. But then like later in his career, like every comedian seems to do. They kind of develop these dramatic chops. Lost in Translation. Um, Life Aquatica is one of my favorite ones. Have you ever seen that? Actually, he's going to be an Ant-Man, Quantumania, in a couple months. So he's still doing stuff. One of the things I like is a lot of the times when they're trying to do this, you know, this typical Christmas story, which is, you know, based on Ebenezer Scrooge, the three ghosts, you know, yada, yada, yada. What I liked in this film is it sort of took it on a different twist. It's still there. That's still the, the foundation. It's still the, the whole crux of the film. But in there, they threw it into modern times. And I love when they do films like that, especially like this. Like during this time, this is 1988. 
I think I was a was a freshman in high school. Probably, yeah. I think I was a freshman. Hey, it's Robert Mitchum. These ads just jockey in the back of those magazines. This is how I imagine network execs would talk to each other, like just weird things like, hey man, I know what people want to watch. They want to watch this. And, you know, nowadays, I mean, this is big back then. You're talking about late 80s, early 90s. And, you know, where network TV was like, that was it. I mean, if you had cable television, you were cool. But, I, you know, as we've gone on through the years and every year changes, network TV is not what it used to be. You know, they, I mean, of course, they still rely on ratings. But you have like the same shows in the same networks almost like CSI, um, Survivor, Big Brother. You know, all these kind of like, you know, The Office was on for a long time. All these kind of similar kind of situ- not situational, but yeah, L.A. Law, Law and Order. Oh, my God. I mean, Law and Order, not L.A. Law. L.A. Law was Corbin Burnson, I believe. <laughs> it's funny that they they're talking about like he's pitching him program ideas and um kind of gone a little bit off the cuff um you know recently violent night was released and if you guys have not seen violent night with um uh what's his name hellboy david harbour really good film really, really fun holiday film and the way they had, and one of the things I enjoyed was not only, you know, the violence, the action, some comedy, but they had a little, spoilers, I'm going to give you a little lore of Violent Night, is they made a backstory for Santa Claus. Like, he wasn't always that, and they showed it in the film, and then he kind of explains it in, like, a little montage. He was like, you know, I wasn't always Santa Claus, I was this guy, Nick him in the red, and I was a, and he was a Viking Norse warrior, he had tats all over him. He had a hammer, which I thought was kind of like an inclusion to Thor. May have not been Thor, not sure. But it was a really cool backstory. And I had invented, I'm like, well, why doesn't, you know, I don't want to defend anybody's religion here, but this is like an idea that I came up with with the Easter Bunny. And the idea would have been that, you know, in the crucifixion of, of you know, of Christ, you, know, you would have like these centurion figures who sat there and uh, basically would stab. Christ while he was on the cross and he would bleed out just sitting there so my idea was what if these centurion guards had such regret for being there that he wanted to save Christ that he became like the pseudo Easter bunny like he was one you know you know on this day I was there and I witnessed this horror and I don't want this horror to be like this on this day forever so he created the Easter bunny persona to bring joy on a day that was great tragedy and I would pitch this to my boss and my friends and they would look at me like what the hell are you talking about, man? This is crazy. But I'm like, look, 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 the Easter bunny doesn't have to be an actual Easter bunny. It's just a, like, you know, it's a pseudonym. Hey, oh, he's uh, th- th- that's what he calls himself. He comes and he's like a bunny or he runs fast or something like that. You could 
throw a thousand different things out there, but he just like, that's the reason he wants to spread so much joy on this day because he was part of its greatest pain. But anyway, food for thought. If you guys have ideas, let us know, drop it in the Facebook page. We do appreciate it. That's John Murray, by the way. John Murray. Let's see what John has been doing lately. John is still working. But I guess his last big film that he did was Elf. And he's just done... Actually, no, he hasn't done much since 2017. Everything upcoming... He did a short in 2013, so nothing since 2017. He might be retired. You know, when you're doing these brother roles in these films, it's kind of hard to cast somebody, you know, you want, because, you know, Bill Murray's just so, he's Bill Murray. And you don't want, like, to cast somebody who's, I mean, you would never try to outcast, like, oh, he's got to be funny too. In this film, they kind of did the opposite. They're like, hey, it's, He's more like Bill's more like the strict business guy. He's not the funny guy. And his brother's more like the subdued family guy. He's like, hey, let's have fun on Christmas. And of course, Frank is all against it. Ah, I hate Christmas. Bah humbug. I feel you, Eric. Sometimes you have some of those days when you brown paper bag it. Oh, and he drops the liquor. Oh. I grew up in a neighborhood like that, and um, in Jersey, we didn't have the trains above us, but it was very similar, kind of like very dark. That was the 80s. Everything was dark. I think one of the things me and Mike have discussed over the years, and it's probably like beating a a dead horse, but the speed of films back then as opposed to nowadays. And I'm sure they still have films that are short. But um, this one, it's what, an hour and 45 minutes? <coughs> Excuse me. 
we had what 20 yeah not even 20 minutes you introduced the main characters to focus the story and we're off Excuse me. <clears throat> now, if you guys don't recognize who that is, that's John Forsythe. John, of course, is distinguished actor from the 60s, 70s. If you guys, if your mothers or fathers watch Dynasty, he was uh, Blake Carrington. He was the big guy. And, of course... His love triangle with um, Alexis and his wife. I forgot it was Alexis and it was somebody else. Was it Alexis and Christy they were always fighting? But yeah, that's John Forsythe. And I always made this mention to my parents and actually a couple ex-girlfriends of mine. That I always, you know, if I got older, I want to be like, you know, John Forsythe. Because John Forsythe is an older guy. Of course, if you big fans of Charlie's Angels, he was the voice of Charlie at the intercom. So. Again, the makeup is so good on this decomposed John Forsythe here. Three ghosts. <laughs> Only Bill Murray would, would do this. Agitated ghosts like that. I do like the special effect through the window, though. The liquid thing, how it liquefies. You know, it's funny. I haven't even bothered to look who directed this film. I usually check this out. Oh, well. You know, if Mike was on here, he would know. This is Richard Donner's film. Richard Donner, of course. Come on. 
Lethal Weapons, the Supermans, one of my favorite Lady Hawk. Um, 16 Blocks was another good one. Radio Flyer. Maverick. He did Assassins. Okay. Does he have anything upcoming? Let's see here. Well, apparently, well, you can't believe everything that IMDb says, but apparently it says here he's a producer on Goonies 2, which, eh, we'll see. But good old Dick Donner. Yeah, it was real. That's one of the things that I miss about Christmas, especially when, uh, especially when I was younger, especially with my brothers and, you know, they always say, you know, it's different, you know, when you're a kid, it's something magical about Christmas, you know, the gifts. And then when you get older, you're giving the gifts out, spending more time with family or loved ones. And I don't know, I'm reaching a certain milestone in a couple of years. And like this year, I sort of looked at Christmas a different way, where it was like, you know, it's, it's almost like another holiday. You know, I got stuff for my daughter and my folks. Um, a couple friends. But that was pretty much it. And I, I don't know, for some reason I just didn't feel... I don't know. I'm not trying to sound like a bow humbug guy, but... Maybe it's because I'm single. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> That is, uh, who plays Grace? I didn't see her. No, I, no, I look at Grace. What was the name of her secretary? <clears throat> I don't see her on the credits here. Let me see. See her on here. Hmm. Oof.
It's Marion Ravenwood, Karen Allen, Indiana Jones fame. Or she did another film in the 80s that's kind of like, uh, you guys may or may not know, I think we mentioned it before, Starman with Jeff Bridges. Not sure if she's going to be in the new Indiana Jones movie. I think they're going to kind of retcon a lot of the stuff from Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I mean, come on. The movie began to avoid a nuclear explosion. I'm going to hide in the refrigerator. Okay. The CGI with the, the, with the, the monkeys. Oh, it was just... Oh, oh. <laughs> I get another big 80s reference these dancers are the solid gold dancers and if you've never watched solid gold I'm sure it's on YouTube it was another one of those kind of destination programs for me uh, and my brothers it goes on a Friday nights on Solid Gold, like they always had like a special guest guy, like Robert Guillaume was there sometimes, and um, I think Lee Majors might have been in one too. He's such a dick. Again. No, again, they're like dichotomy back and forth. It's like she's like he's like, hey, I'm just this tough business guy. And she's like, that's not who you really are. still love each other man so it's that looks years can go by but like old feelings sometimes they don't die See, I like the fact that he's 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 become this kind of misogynistic TV producer, and you know every person fears, and he's just such a dick. But you know, Karen Allen is the only one that sees right through him. Like, hey.
Yeah, she did a little Batman. Where did Claire go? Oh, damn. Poor woman. hey look at that a very very young john glover sleazy bryce cummings Uh, if you guys don't recognize John, he's been in several films. He did Gremlins too, believe it or not. But um, most of the younger audience would probably remember him. He was Lionel Luther on Smallville. Of course, he had a longer hair, kind of a thicker beard. Always liked him as Lionel. Yeah, you. There is no I D E A M. <laughs> Hehehehe. <laughs> <laughs> 
When opportunity knocks, there's always a sleazy ball in the middle. Now he's getting these visions. He's freaking out. Like, the ghosts are coming. And Mitchum and these guys are like, oh my, he's going nuts. <laughs> nice kind of thinking I've avoided everything oh okay it's fine you know like I'm on the lookout <clears throat> Right, we're introduced to the first ghost. And his driving of a cab is not too far off of what New York cab drivers actually do. It's like kids before the days of Lyft and Uber, we had taxi cabs. Ghost of Christmas Past, played by David Johansson. If you guys don't know who David Johansson is, I could say Google him, but a little history. If you're a big fan of the uh, kind of like the old school New York punk rock scene of the 70s, he was in a band called the New York Dolls. He went through a solo career and he had one hit single, which I think it was called Red Hot, maybe like something like it. Not something like it hot, it was, uh, it was something hot. I have to, Now I have to Google it. Some like it hot. Hot tamale. Oh gosh, this is going to kill me now. Let's see. David. Johan. Sin. There we go. Um, Come on, songs. Big hit. Let's see. Oh, that's it. Hot, hot feeling. Hot, hot, hot. Yeah, that was boy. And he was Buster Poindexter. That was the um, the personality took up. Thanks, Google. Appreciate that. Now I don't feel like an idiot. Seventy-two years old too. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Good old Earl. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, I got your feel, buddy. What a dick. Well, yeah, a lot of people had fathers like that. You know, they just they had to grow up quick. I'm not turning this into a generation versus generation battle, but you know, certain generations grew up a little bit harder than other ones, and you know, someday they'll say this generation had it hard, and like with the net with the newer ones, you know, it's it's all a cycle. See, he did break down. <laughs> He's He's just calling him Ali. He's He's just naming TV shows. And a lot of kids um I did um what did I do? I did a re um I think it was something that some kids who had grown up in, I'm not sure what era it was, but he was, I think he had lost his father or mother, so television was kind of like one of his parents, and he would live vicariously through television shows, that, so much so that when he would talk to other people to try to relate, that his stories were always television show backgrounds, like, hey, my father was a scientist, and, you know, something happened to him, he died, and, like, we don't know where it is, and... He would create these stories and thus creating different personas and personality. It's actually pretty interesting. If I find the article, I'll post it. Look at that hair. Look at see, Black Carrington gets play.
he um bill actually fought fought for this love story because they were going to cut it out or make it very minimal in the original script but like when he um i guess he helped rewrite it this became a bigger arc and i think it works too because their chemistry is really on it's just spot on no she's just delightful <laughs> that's a that's a very accurate display of a New York apartment a very small minimal space and you're still paying outrageous prices those are Ginsu knives that she has there no, that's 1970. I don't think Ginsu had made their knives yet. I think Ginsu knives was like an 80s product. And by the way, that's bullcrap. I tried cutting a uh, a tin can with what, a Ginsu knife, and it never worked. It was like... Karma Sutra. Hmm. That was a big thing with the Karma Sutra thing was, uh, I think Sting and Trudy, his wife, they were like, because for the while, like Sting is older now, of course, but like back then he was a, um, they had mentioned it as like an MTV interview. They had mentioned like, Oh, how come you stay in shape? He's like, well, I do Karma Sutra and I have a lot of sex with my wife. And, they're like, okay, shit. So the longevity of life is due to lots of sex. According to Sting. So cute. Hehehehe. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you got to start somewhere. And obviously he did. <laughs> Again, another comedian up there. Um, I don't recognize. Oh, man. A lot of comedians are in this movie, too. You miss them. Is it? No, it's not Jamie Farr. Hmm. <clears throat> He's such a dog. This is where he starts to change that, um, I mean, there's different reasons why relationships end. I'm not sure how you guys, I mean, like, there's thousands upon thousands of different reasons. But, you know, one of them is work. Some people are career-driven and, you know, they just sort of lose people while they're ascending or the other way around. It's gonna. I've I've put some of those um, head costumes on, and they are really odd. And that was kind of like their goodbye. See. Well shot too. Like the moment where the doors are closing, and basically. The doors have just closed in the relationship now. And that's it. Cool little transition, too.
How did I get here? <laughs> He's just... That's Buddy Hackett. Again, a lot of big-time comedians of that era, but of course, Buddy no longer with us. He passed away in 2003. But of course, Buddy just did tons of stuff, you know. I'm not going to name, I think, um... He was a voice in the Animaniacs, Little Mermaid, so he did a lot of voiceover work late in his career. And of course, I think he did the Klondike commercials. Man, poor Louder Milk, like he's just—he just hit the skids. Now, they're ending on the relationship. I was just I'm watching this right now, and so she broke up with him, saying, "Oh well, hey, we had good dinner plans." And then right after that, she's like, oh, we need some time apart. So I'm thinking off screen, there was some stuff happening before. And I think that was, you know, he he was career driven. And I think that was kind of like building and building. Of course, they didn't show it, but I'm just assuming that's the way it would be. Bill is so funny. Bill Murray freaking out is just gold. <laughs> He's just freaking out. I love it. Stop. Or my mom will shoot. That's her. Again, these two right here, comedic actors as well. I don't have their names in front of them. You have to look at this list. It's insane. You know, Michael J. Pollard, who I just saw right there. Mabel King is in this. We haven't seen yet. (laughs) Again, he's ad-libbing most of this stuff. Ain't that the truth? And like, oh.
And again, the same thing. It's like this is like a little twist around. It's like, well, her career is first now. And then he's like, he's selfish. Yeah, he's just, just a selfish dude. A&P. A&P. <laughs> A&P is a, um, it's a, if you guys are from up north, if not, it's a big supermarket chain. I think A&P is still around. Food Town was another one. ShopRite, I think, is the big one. That's more outdoor stuff. Jesus, he just flips the script so it's so seamless how he can go to some so charming to such a dick. She still loves him though. He's just such a dick. Now, if you look up John Hausman's career, he did a lot of voiceovers for intros to TV shows. I think John Hausman was in the powers of Matthew Starr. I could have been wrong. Maybe he just did the intro. But... Always got to suck up at every job. Wants to take your spot. Such a it's that dichotomy. a little inaccurate that sign right there which says Scrooge Marley because I, th I believe in the um, in the original Dickens book he had taken over like Bob Marley's name was on there at the beginning but I guess I, I'm not sure where they're at in the story of his fictional play but it appears that that name should have been down hey good old Carol Kane And if you guys don't know who Carol Kane is, look her up. Stage, film, Broadway. 
I was watching um, Will Ferrell and um, Ryan Reynolds. They did a Christmas special. I forgot the name. I think it's called Seasons. Something. But it's very musically type. And um, I'm not going to spoil the movie, but I'll give you a little bit of a synopsis. Will Ferrell plays like the ghost of Christmas past. And the way they orchestrated it, it's like, hey, they're, they're, it's just these, it's a different production. It's almost like this version of Scrooge, but like for this era. And I thought it was really well done. I would love to see Will Ferrell and Ryan do some more films. <laughs> now we were mentioning Alfrey Woodard earlier and I believe well she was in the Cosby show as well well I guess everybody was but let me take a look she was in the gray man oh that's right she was in the gray man she was the um the head of the agency Lion King Clemency she was in that's right she was uh Mariah Dillard and uh Luke Cage And she was in Captain America Civil War playing a different character. So weird. She was in Civil War playing Miriam and then Luke Cage as Mariah Dillard. But those um, shows in the MCU were never, they were never connected. It was never shown. The last ship. She did a lot of stuff. 12 Years a Slave. Let's see what she's got coming up. Oh, she's going to be in Salem's Lot. Yeah, Salem's Lot coming out next year. Can't wait to see that one. Whether it's Stephen King. We used to, my brother, um, my two brothers, my mother and father, we used to live in an apartment um, literally almost that size. It was a one-bedroom, but like, it was a one-bedroom, and you had five people living in there. And But we made it work. Made it work. I One thing I could say about my family is the in- ingenuity that we had. Like, uh, if you walked into our apartment, like automatically you would see the living room with the TV and everything. And in back of that wall unit television was a, um, would be my brother's room, my older brother's room. He had created sort of like this 
because it was a very big space. Like you had living room, then you would go to the right. That's the kitchen. And from the kitchen, there's this other area because the living room was pretty big. You could put like a room there. And my brother had like a twin bed there and we slept there. And that's when until he moved out. And then the big room was always um, me and my brother and my mom and dad. But my, my dad worked nights. My mother also worked nights. So they were barely home. And my brother and me had bunk beds. So like I said, it's all how you move stuff around. She's, she's so feisty. Me gustas. What musical industry? industry did, did, Lurch, I think, did Lurch play the piano? I think. Piano. A harpsichord. I don't know. What the hell is that? God, where's Mike when I need him when all these instruments are coming out? <laughs> yes, how outdated is this film? He got a VHS for Christmas. And nowadays, I don't think you can find a VHS anywhere. I think my um my dad he has a double it's like a v, it's a VHS player like a CD player as well so that's and I, he still has it somewhere because he still has VHSs I think I still have VHSs as well but back then that was a big thing like nowadays you know DVD players Blu-ray players but pretty much physical media is on its way di it's dying it is dying I think I had a long conversation um, with my brothers the other night about physical media and one of the big things was is like you know, he has my brother has a huge collection of CDs, and so do I. My younger brother, who lives in California, is in, a, in the music. He's in the music industry. He's a um, technician for live bands, and he told me that you know I got rid of all my CDs and everything's pretty much streaming nowadays. If you got unlimited Spotify, you can find anything on there. But then my older brother was like, "Well, what about the imports? You could save the imports." So I think I'm at that point where I'm leaning towards getting rid of them. But then I'm like, well, I put a lot of effort into them. That'll be the first big thing I get rid of physical media-wise will be my CDs because I still have my DVDs, and I think I'll keep those. Actually, I was thinking about buying a DVD, um, Zack Snyder's Justice League, the uh, four-hour cut. That'll probably be my next physical media purchase, which will be the first one in almost 10 years.
and this is where he finds out that maybe, you know, the two dollars that, you know, he wanted for like a coffee. Which, first off, I don't believe he would freeze to death in New York City in the sewers. But. Kindness is free. Kind of heartbreaking. See? <laughs> he just... Ouch. Oh, this poor assistant, man. She's been run over throughout the entire Now, obviously, at this point in the film, they think he's just gone insane. And, of course, Lionel Luther here is going to try to take advantage of that. Just a little bit. And again, the design of the Ghost of Christmas Future, and that's the one that it's merrily written. Jim is famous for the eighties. Again, the music is so good. 
ominous with the red moon and you know what's coming. Only one ghost left. I don't know, it's just thought popped in my head. I was thinking, you know, what if you went really wild and, you know, obviously these, these, this film is always recreated almost every year and every iteration with its Broadway streaming. I was thinking in my head, what if they, um, you know, they would cast these kind of dramatic actors for the first two ghosts and the ghost of Christmas future would be Shakira. And just all oh, these dancing montages as he's going to the future. Pretty wild. Tab. Oh, a nice guy. Because the ghost of Christmas future, he's, his uh, his appearances and everything, it's always very dour and very ominous. And I thought my idea would be you. Yeah. Change a little bit differently. The ghost of Christmas future. I saw this shot in the trailer and I thought it was so freaking cool when we see it. You're like, my God, how big is he? And he's huge. Yep. Amazing, he snuck past all that security. <laughs> I kind of like this though it's kind of like a little thread throughout the film they fired him he just goes berserk and he's like you know I'm just going to blow his head off It's 
Now, first off, an elevator would those doors would not close that quickly. So that's BS. Now, of all the designs of the Ghost of Christmas Future that I have seen, film, animation, this is the most terrifying to me. And the way they just updated him, like you'll see in a minute, like he's got a TV screen for his head and he's seeing all these lost souls trapped underneath him. Yeah. See? You think about it like this his future right now it's kind of haunting you see all these things that could be but I guess that's the true thing of seeing your your future and like man like I hope it doesn't end up like that what can I do to prevent it and seeing that her son basically is just went insane. seeing Claire's future. And she took, you know, Bill's advice and became a monster. Uncaring, unfeeling. And now she's become just like Frank. Save yourself. I love that. It's just the pain in her eyes that she's changed and she didn't want to change. She was kind of forced I like this musical piece too. It's very ominous, but kind of hopeful in a ways. Mm-hmm. 
Of course you died. You were a dickhead. Like, all the little tropes they added of this classic story are just, they just really work, man. I just... This is one of the... (laughs) You know what I couldn't believe is this film, 1988. It's one of the first... It's actually the first film that Bill Murray had to literally carry on his own. If you think of his previous films, he was always part of the ensemble, like in Stripes and Ghostbusters and... um, Well, SNL, he was part of the ensemble cast. See that switch when he turns to this overjoyous kind of Frank Cross? It's really just like the next, I don't know how long we got left, 15, 10 minutes of this movie is just him just being so overjoyed at having a second chance and he's going to do anything. Like in some moments when you see it in, in the original Christmas Carol, of course, he's doing the same thing. But this is like tenfold to the next level. And Bill Murray. Lauderman must be terrified. He's like, oh my god, he just took the shotgun away from me.
just See, at least you admit it, man. This is like confession time for him, man. Like, it's breaking his soul. And on live television? Again, this last 10 minutes that we have here, he's just literally pouring his soul out. But a lot of it makes sense, too, like if you compare it to today's life. But it's like I said, like the last 10 minutes of him just sort of becoming the, the better man is probably the best stuff I've seen in a, in a film in a long, long time. Dancing a jig. And look at that. Uh oh. Uh. <laughs> Come on. When he mentions Claire, not a dry eye in a theater. Uh-oh. 
<laughs> David Johansson, man. Like I said, everybody's just so cast is cast so well in this theater. I think the wife runs the network more than you know Robert Mitchum does because you know he was like she stopped them in the middle of the whole thing. Hey, wait a minute, let's just see what he's got here. I don't think they do do they do live Christmas specials anymore? Maybe they did a couple years ago. If anybody does, let me know. Want it to be right. Man, if this doesn't hit you in the feels. Again, a Christmas tradition is always watching this film, and I'm glad we get to share it with you guys. Okay, Bill. No, the feel part is coming right now. This is this always. Just, oh. Goes out, you're already like, man, I'm going to give all my stuff away. But then you have this. This is it. Oh, man. I got to turn away. Christmas miracles. <laughs> she carried huh? <laughs> oh. Another trivia fact you didn't know is it took 34 years for this soundtrack to be released. I think it's 2011 I saw. 
I got the notes right in front of me. I I just been so enthralled with this film that I found a we got a couple of them. Um, where is it? Right there. Yeah, twenty three years. And Danny Elfman. See, I knew it was Danny Elfman. You could tell when it's a Danny Elfman score. Thirty four tracks. Not all of them were in the film. The final track is a bonus track called Trading Places. I have to look up for this score after I'm done here. Put a little love, a little love in your heart. I forgot who sang the, uh, it was a single released when this came out. Put a little love. I have to look that one up. And see... Kind of like breaking the fourth wall here, too. <laughs> Bill just gets you, man. Yeah, this is the single that played, right? I'm not sure who sings it. I gotta look it up, like I said, afterwards. But guys, that is Scrooge by Bill Murray, 1988. And that is the end of our holiday season, guys. That's it. So, um, we will see you back in 2023. And if you guys don't know, we're doing a year-long marathon of nothing but horror films. We've talked about horror films so many times in our on our watch-alongs, on our reviews, that we're just going to go for it. And the whole year next year is all horror movies. We have a plan. It's set out. But if you guys have suggestions, you know, I'm going to be reactivating uh, the Facebook and Instagram page. I'm going to do more stuff on there, I promise. And the Facebook community, we're going to try to get that thing going again. And But it should be a good 2023. And again, I have enjoyed your company from 2022. Uh, I think Mike would say the same thing. Thank you so much for all the support, all the likes, all the shares. Even though our community is very small, it's still loved by me, Mike. We appreciate you in every single way. And, um, well, you know, we will see you in 2023. So from me and Mike, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, and bam, we will see you soon. Later, guys.